Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Hello, thank you for joining us in the Gospel Clarity Podcast. My name is Mark. And my name is Andrew. Uh, It is, this is episode 10. Congratulations, Andrew. Double digits. We've made it. Season 1, episode 10. We are there. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's good that nobody can cancel us, right? Yeah, no one can cancel us. We're not a sitcom that... Is piloting a few episodes that could get the door shut on them. Right. We can be here. And the great part is, if you've been listening with us this whole time, you get to grow with us as we continue to grow in being podcast hosts, right? That is right. Yeah. So, see, it's all it's all like we're a family. We're all a family here. You know, there's going to be some great episodes, and there's going to be episodes. Good episodes. Then there's going to be good episodes. Some weeks you just want to get a single other weeks, you're going to hit a home run. Yep, but yep. you need to get on base every week. Every, <laughs> yep, that's right. And uh, But even if we don't get on base, you know, I don't know. No, no, I, that's not an option. I was going to, I was going to, uh, yeah, I was trying to uh, make something up there and it didn't work. <laughs> um, anyway, it's that's It's a baseball me. analogy. Yeah, see, I love baseball. I know, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, okay, Andrew, just a couple quick things when we're talking about pop culture. Let's mm-hmm. talk about pop culture here for a minute. Have you seen the new Avengers Endgame movie, and do you intend to? I have seen it. You have seen it? I have. When did you go and see it? Did you go and see it this week? (laughs) When Kim and I were down in Florida for the Sojourn Network conference that Uh we attended uh, about a week and a half ago, Mm -hmm. some of our friends who were part of the network got tickets to the Thursday night 9.30 showing, and so we were one of the first groups to see it, Um, and definitely in that city and in that area. Mm-hmm. So we watched it that Thursday night before it was released. It was released on Friday formally, but they start creeping up the showings earlier and earlier with all these big releases. And so uh, we caught the first showing at this theater in, cool. where were we? Naples, Florida. Yeah. Awesome. Um, without giving anything away, without giving any spoilers, mm-hmm. uh, because some of our listeners haven't seen it most likely. Right. They, I, I respect that. And, I, I do not like I spoilers. Haven't even, I, I haven't have been accused. I have been accused of spoiling movies from, in some of my sermons. From the However, the movies that I'm talking about are several years old. Yeah. And if they haven't been seen by now, they should have been seen. Now, I know what reference you're talking about. Yeah, which, which one? Was, which was recently brought up that you, someone said that you break, make spoilers. Now, and I <laughs> Only would say, of older movies I would that should argue, have already been seen. Saving Private I, Ryan should have probably already been seen by every warm-blooded American <laughs> in our church. Right. And if they right. have not seen that, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, it's a good illustration. It, right, it is. Or it was a good illustration. It was. Um... And also, I mean, there's, you know, the one spoiler I think you did for me, and you had every right to do it, was uh, you talked briefly about at the end of The Lord of the Rings. And I know what happens at the end of the, at the mm-hmm. end, of, but I was reading through The Return of the King, and I was right before that part, and I was like, Andrew, don't give it away. Don't give it away, because <laughs> I don't know what's happening next. But I, I knew the end, you know, and that's yeah. so old, you know, it's okay. You can say whatever you want, but 
Um, okay, give me give me first going back to Endgame. Should should someone go and see it? And what was kind of your general uh, emotions? Did you come out crying? Did you come out happy? Tell me what what your thoughts are. Hmm. I, enjoyed I haven't it. seen it, so uh, I can't comment on it. I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Is it the um, last one of the it's, Avengers? It's the last one of this iteration, okay. or this kind of stretch of movies, um, and which was which is why it's called Endgame. So that's not a that's not a spoiler. Uh, it's called Endgame. Um, the yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't know how to talk about it without ruining anything. So okay. I'll just say I enjoyed the movie and it should be you seen. Or it's out. worth seeing if you're into that. If, yeah, I mean, if you've been following the Marvel universe in movie form, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you have to see it. And then everybody's going to see it. I think it's the mm-hmm. top grossing movie of all time already within oh, like wow. in a very short amount of frame. I think the first weekend they eclipsed a billion dollars and yeah. they were like, uh, I can't remember how many people saw it, but uh, they no movie has ever reached a billion dollars in the first weekend, hmm. and I believe that one did. Yeah. If you think about it, I mean, it's pretty incredible in terms of filmmaking and story design. The long-term planning? The, the long, this long story that has all these different complexities and intricacies to each one, each one kind of being elaborated on the other elements tying into these different movies, all leading to these big Avengers where mm-hmm. everything kind of connects and it makes yeah. you, um, I think that this is some of the better story writing that mm-hmm. we have in our, in our time in terms of, in terms of, uh, film. Mm-hmm. I think that the complexity of the story is significantly better than I think some of the other story writing methods that have been practiced through this new kind of like Netflix live stream or streaming where you're binge watching these multiple episodes and they want you to, they have a different kind of motivation for you. The Avengers movies and the end game are not end game, but these Avengers movies in the Marvel universe is just on a next, on another level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think what serves the storytelling is that they have source material. They have the comic books that have built, built upon yeah. itself for a long time. Yeah. And a whole world was created in comic book storytelling format. And comic book writers do work hard at weaving storylines and characters together to to create a sense of cohesion between uh, volumes. And uh, so there's there's actually really good storytelling techniques in the comic book world. Mm -hmm. And so to have that as your source material when you're transferring it over to film served it well. Yeah. Um, they don't follow everything exactly, but there there's enough there that they that they were served well by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Okay, let's move on before we get down a even deeper tangent. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about um the role Sunday should play in the life of the disciple and in the life of the church. Wonderful. Uh, asking the question, are Sundays sacred? Are Sundays sacred? Yeah. Or if they're not, should Sundays be treated as sacred? Tell us a, a bit about that. Yeah, I think Sundays um, say this, that for the Christian, uh, we believe Jesus not only rose from the grave, but he ascended and he took his seat at the right hand of the throne of the Father. 
We also believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, which is what Jesus would say in the Great Commission just before releasing his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, that he is Lord. He's now the reigning, ruling king who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And since he has all authority and since he is the sovereign Lord of all things, anyone who submits their life to his lordship, who professes that Jesus is Lord, that um, confession leads to the belief that all of life then for that person is now sacred, that all of life is being brought under the reign and the rule of Christ. And we, so a Christian then lives with a sense of sacredness in all that they do uh, in every moment and in every place. And so the historic divide between the secular and the sacred doesn't exist if we're thinking rightly about who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus or to submit to his lordship. If he is Lord, then he's Lord of everything, and there's not a single inch or speck of our lives that isn't um, sacred or rendered sacred by the rule and the reign of Christ. And so the divide, so the distinction between a secular moment and a sacred moment shouldn't exist in our thinking and in our, in our, in the, our approach to life. And then you take that and you interpret your calendar that way. Okay. So in the past, Sundays have been interpreted as sacred but Fridays have been interpreted as secular, or they've been used for different purposes. And so this wedge has been inserted into the weekly calendar so that we're not viewing every day as sacred, uh, or in previous generations didn't view every day as sacred, but they would view Sundays as sacred and other days of the week secular, because that's when you worked, that's when you uh, lived life in a fallen world and all of those types of things. But I've been growing, my, my, my conviction... Well, one, my conviction concerning the sacredness of all of life, of all of time, and of all of space for the believer has been um, a steady conviction I've held for a while now. I think what I'm learning to distinguish is when we say that all of life is sacred, we're not saying that all of life is the same. And when we say that every day is sacred, we're not saying every day is the same. We're saying we engage the sacredness of a given day or the sacredness of a given task in a way that is appropriate or distinct for that day or distinct for that task. And I think thinking along those lines, all of life is sacred, not all of life is the same. It has reinserted the role Sunday should play in the life of the believer and in the life of the church as being a sacred day that is treated not like Friday's. And it is a day that is treated not like Wednesdays, not because Wednesdays and Fridays are not sacred, but because Wednesdays and Fridays are not the same as Sundays. Mm. So how has the, how's the church been viewed historically as a, as a sacred day? Mm-hmm. I think some of us all have that idea, but maybe making sure that we're all on the same page yeah. is too. Well, there, there are basically three reasons why the church, very early on after she was birthed, started mm-hmm. gathering together on Sundays. And uh, one reason was because they, they looked back at the creation narrative and they saw that Sunday or the first day was a day of light. That's when God created light. 
And they said, Jesus is the light of the world who also resurrected on the first day. And so this idea of light, of hope, of life, of creation and recreation, those themes merged in the Christian conscience so that they wanted to gather on Sundays. Then the second reason they argued, not only is Sunday a day of light, but Sunday is the day of resurrection, that it was the first day of the week where Christ was risen and that he was seen and encountered by his initial, by Mary and his other disciples. And so um, Sunday then becomes the day of resurrection. And with the resurrection came the institution of the new covenant or the, um, the ratification, if you will, of the new covenant. It brought God, Jesus's new um, the way he fulfilled the old covenant and inaugurated the new was cemented and signified with his resurrection on Sundays. And so um, that was that that stuck deep with the early church. And it allowed the Christian to draw a distinction between Jewish Sabbath and the Christian Sabbath. Not to say that, um, well, we'll talk about that probably here in a moment. That's a much more kind of complex matter, the relationship between Jewish Sabbath and Christian Sabbath. Uh, but then the third reason is because the church was birthed on the first day. It was a Sunday when Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2. And so Sundays represent a day of light. It's the day of resurrection. And it's also the day the church was birthed. And so when the church gathers on Sundays, there's a sense in which we're throwing a birthday party every week that we're celebrating the new life that Jesus has given us through his life, death, and resurrection. Yeah, when you say that, when that when we talk about Sundays being a a celebration. Do you see that right now in the church? Do you see the church looking at Sundays as a celebration um, in that way? Or what are some observations that you've seen that have kind of maybe led to this conviction? That's, that's a good question. I think there's a, a few factors at play. Of One that I could probably articulate right now is that I feel that there's been a pendulum shift in the American church culture where there was a reaction, there was a, there was an interpretation that the Christian life began and ended on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so to shake that up, right, which needed to be shaken up, the church started pushing, you know, small groups in homes during the week. Um, They started pushing different activities that would happen on a weekly basis to really try to reinforce, no, all of life matters. Uh, you're, you're a Christian, not just on Sundays, like your Christianity should not begin and end on a Sunday. Yeah. There was, there was a look at going back to Acts and saying, mm-hmm. what, what did the early, what did the first church in Acts do? Mm-hmm. But it, it perhaps could have gone a little bit too far. Yeah. I, th- I think the pendulum shifted. Too far. too far in the yeah. other direction, so that now Christians view Sundays as the same as any other day in the week. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the first church did that. I think there's a reason why Paul called called it the Lord's Day in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Um, they, they did not view, I do not think early Christians viewed Sunday the same as Tuesday. And so now I feel like we as Christians have are thinking more along the lines of, okay, we've deconstructed much of what happened before where we are now in terms of how church, what church is, how church should be and operate, and we've deconstructed it to a fault. And so now we're having a hard time recognizing the sacredness of certain things that the church has historically practiced and historically pursued together. And one of those is the sacredness of Sundays. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so I don't know if that answered your question, but I do think the pendulum shifted so far in the other direction that, again, Christians just could not, or that we've kind of lost a conviction about why Sunday should be different from other days, should be treated differently than other days of the week. Yeah. I think it, I, the pendulum is a really good image when you when we're talking about Sundays, because there is, I think the, the pendulum was in one direction, was you found culture behaving in one way on Sundays mm-hmm. as opposed to the right. rest of the week. Um, and then the church responded to that by saying, your faith is is not just on Sundays, but it's for every day of the week. It's your life, mm-hmm. and so and then it, but then it reacted to by doing what you were saying. Um, so I do I do agree with you completely that there's that this pendulum needs to kind of go back into the center instead of leaning in one mm-hmm. direction or another. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some elements that you think about on Sunday that could be more present than they are? Well, I think on the fundamental levels that um, there was a time, like even when you read through the Old Testament, when uh, worshipers in the Old Testament were moving towards the temple and they were getting ready to gather with the rest of God's people for a unique time, uh, for, a, for a unique time and in that space together uh, to worship the Lord, they, the Psalms are constantly encouraging the worshiper to prepare themselves. Uh, don't just run in without thinking about what you're engaging in or what you're stepping into, take some time to pray, to prepare your heart, to confess your sins, to um, get your heart focused on what it needs to be focused on before you gather with the rest of God's people to gather. That was a, that's a very consistent thing you see in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. And the church, early church, and there are still some traditions in the world today that do this, that encourage Christians. Uh, the Reformed tradition, for example, is one that that if you're uh, a lot of Reformed tradition churches focus heavily on preparing their people for the gathering that's mm-hmm. going to take place on Sunday. Yeah. And so what, what kind of uh, examples are you thinking of? So in the Old Testament, for example, worshipers, <laughs> if they were going to gather to worship holy God in the company of the rest of the redeemed, they were bringing sacrificial offerings, literally. They were preparing sacrifices to bring and offer up to the Lord. And so they had to start working on that long before they started, long before, figuratively speaking, they got in their car and started driving to the temple. <laughs> it was, uh, And I think there are similar things that we are encouraged to, uh, obviously we're not bringing sacrifice, literal sacrifices to church on Sunday uh, to rally with the rest of the redeemed because the sacrifice we're celebrating is the one that Christ offered for us uh, in fulfillment of all the sacrifices that you see um, laid out in the Old Testament under the first covenant. And so, but we're still encouraged to, uh, we bring sacrifice a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. We offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, there's a, there's a um, an interesting example where Paul is talking about the Lord's day and he's encouraging disciples to consider what they need to do before they uh, make it to that day. And he tells the church, uh, let me pull it up. He says, um, I think it's first. Yeah. Uh, verse two of first Corinthians chapter 16 on the first day of the week, that is Sunday, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come, when I come. 
meaning when the church would gather together on the first day of the week, uh, Christians were contributing to a pool of money, a collection of money that when Paul, when he visited that church, he would be able to take then and bring to the churches in need throughout the known world. And so Paul was telling worshipers in this passage to look, as you're getting ready to gather, don't forget to bring uh, what you can contribute to the pool. That, therefore, they were thinking about what they would offer. They were praying about what, what they could give or what they could sacrifice. And they were, they were giving thought to what they would do on Sundays before Sundays arose, before Sunday arrived. And uh, we know it, and it was very, and it was very grace saturated thing because earlier in that same letter in Second Corinthians chapter eight, or I'm sorry, in a, <laughs> in the next letter that Paul writes to that same church, Second Corinthians chapter eight, he's talking about giving and he's encouraging um, giving to be motivated and driven by the grace of the gospel. And so, not every disciple would bring the same amount or even the same ratio in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, but they would give according to uh, their communion with the Lord prior to Sundays as they were thinking about how God had blessed them and how they can now use what they've been blessed with to bless others. And so the principle and the analogy is that Christians were thinking about what they would do when they gather with other Christians on the first day of the week. And so that's the big principle I want to lay out in this particular podcast is that I want to encourage Christians to think ahead to be forward-thinking, and as they get ready to gather with other Christians on Sundays, uh, to be mindful of what that time is devoted for and how they can engage that time uh, fully, not only for their own sake, but for the sake of those around them and for the sake of the broader church and for the sake of the broader kingdom of God. And so you see that concern, that analogy being fleshed out with Paul's concern with the collection in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Um, and so this idea that he was telling Christians to think about what they're about to do on Sunday. And I think we, as a, as a, you know, our church, and as we think about just Christians in the American church life, our gatherings would be far more life-giving if we were thinking about and praying towards what we would soon experience with other Christians in the company of the redeemed on Sundays. Mm. Those are some great things to be thinking about and to consider. Um, And I hope that those listening are encouraged with that. And I think, Andrew, we have more to talk about on this subject as well. So so we're looking forward to uh, joining us next week on the Gospel Clarity Podcast. Mm.